Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Hey, Paul. How's it going, buddy? Good. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, about to get on a plane tomorrow morning, go to Birmingham for the Think Tank, which when everybody listens, we'll already be back from the Think Tank, but uh, looking forward to that uh, every year. It's been... It, was last year your first year at that? That was my first year because the year before that, they didn't have it. They had the virtual That's right. One. It was virtual. Yeah. And then the year before that was your first one. I couldn't make it because of some army uh thing that obviously it was important because i can't remember what it was yeah i think i actually went i i went two years before the virtual one so i went 19 20 and then 22 this will be number four for me nice so yeah you see a lot you see the same old faces and then there's always new faces so it's nice to see that the agent pool is growing there's more of us out there which is needed because uh this message is spreading uh, a lot quicker every year. Yep. And as long as it spreads correctly, I'll be happy. Yep. Right. Exactly. Um, well, good, man. Uh, so we had our we webinar last week, or I guess two weeks ago for the listeners. Yep. Um, that was, uh, that was good. We had about 20 people on there and, you know, an hour conversation and a lot of really great questions. Some that, um, spurred some ideas for us to talk about today. So, uh, what'd you think of that webinar? Any takeaways from that? I I had a ball, of course. Um, was that all current clients? No perspective. Uh, no, because the the invite went obviously to podcast listeners, and uh, definitely not all podcast listeners are clients yet. Um, but then we both sent it out to our clients, so we had a lot of clients on there. Yeah, um, and a handful of our podcast clients too, which is always great because it's not just people who are not using IBC yet or don't have their policies yet that have questions. It's people who already have policies in place have some really great questions because they're on that next step of the journey. Like, okay, right. now I'm I'm at this point in the journey, which which brings up a whole new series of questions and, and thought processes. So there's a really good mix. Yeah, real thoughtful people mm -hmm. and uh and definitely some solid um solid questions. And you could see you know, the wheels turning, you know, as they go through, like, especially when we're going to talk about again today, a little bit of back to basics and sequencing of money. And, mm -hmm. um, but it makes people, you know, we got that email from, from our friend John up in Alaska a few weeks ago about doing his, um, his escrow on, on, unbundling the escrow right from his mortgage and sequencing that through as premium, just so smart. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's folks that's what we're talking about is when you start to control your money you're starting to think about new ways and how you can control more of it and never use the never lose the use of those dollars um by sequencing through a policy first so that's what it's all about exactly so uh i think that the light bulb did go on with a couple people i mean we had you know another guy on there who's He's uh, he'll be a client of mine soon. He's already been doing IBC for a number of years, but I think got set up uh, the first time with some policies and, and never really talked to his 
his agent again, or his practitioner. I don't think it was a practitioner that set it up, but uh, he and I connected, he's local. Uh, we've been talking for a couple of years and he's ready for another one. So we're setting that up right now. But he had that light bulb moment. He was like, I was out mowing the grass and all of a sudden something hit me like a you know, bolt of lightning. Like, what am I doing? Why am I letting all this money go through my hands to somebody else first before it goes through my policy? So it's really cool. Hopefully that, you know, some other um, people got uh, triggers like that during that webinar, or maybe they will because they're thinking about it now. But if you registered for that, then you should have received the link for the replay. If you didn't register, um, no need to worry. We got another one coming up March 21st at 7 p.m. Central Time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, so put that on your calendars. We'll put a link in the show notes here for you guys to sign up for that one. Uh, but we'll do that here in, in just a few weeks for you. We'll do number two. So I think we'll we'll just plan to do one a month. Show up with your questions. Uh, maybe we'll have a topic to fill the dead air. If nobody has questions right away, we can discuss um, a topic that, that we have on, on our minds. Well, all right. Um, so let's talk. You, you mentioned we want to get back to the basics today. So why don't we start? I think we have a couple different thoughts in mind, sequencing and then loan repayments, because those always seem to be some, I think people complicate it more than they need to, right? Um, so let's simplify sure. that stuff down. So, I mean, let's just start with, which one you want to start with? Sequencing? Sure. Um, and we both do this. So maybe you can share with with the listeners how you've sequenced your money. Um, and we had a couple good examples from the webinar of other people who do the same. But uh, yeah, I would love to hear kind of yours and then maybe how you, how you set up that policy to use it for that one specific purpose. Sure. Yeah, so my, my example has to do with federal income tax and, uh, and state income tax actually for, for Kentucky. Um, so I think some of the confusion, Dave, comes into the talk of there's a couple different types of premiums that people pay when they're doing IBC generally. You're going to have your base premium of your policy, which is basically the premium that's required to keep the policy active. That premium does create a cash value, doesn't it? Um, it's going to create it's going to you know create dividend cash value at the end of the policy year, and eventually it'll have some guaranteed cash value growth. So there's cash value there. Then you have PUA premium, which produces kind of your early cash value right in the policy. So that's like your basic IBC policy structure. You have base premium, PUA premium, and then there's various ways to kind of shuffle around those ratios a little bit. Um, and then with the intent of not ever mecking the policy. So anyway, so I created a policy for a tax, you know, the annual, you know, I pay quarterly taxes, but also sometimes at the end of the year, it's like, maybe you have a really good quarter. So you have to pay a little bit more than, than you anticipated to cover that fourth quarter tax, which is paid in January of the following year. Mm -hmm. So I put, um, you know, either a large lump sum of, of PUA premium in there, uh, to capture those tax dollars that I've already calculated, like, okay, I know I'm going to have to pay approximately X amount of thousands of dollars to the federal government here um, on January, whatever. So created the policy to, and, and put more money than that, right? Mm -hmm. In premium. Right. Because um, you don't have access to hundred percent of that in the first that's year. That's right. That, right. 
That's right, folks. Remember, there's there's some startup cost to creating this the branch of this bank. It's going to take a few years for it to get efficient. Um, so I put more money um, than I need to in there to then take a policy loan out, fund, you know, pay the government that money that I'm anticipating owing them once I file my taxes, and then kind of take the money for next year's taxes and start repaying that loan. Yep. That's a way to to do that. And I think some people, um, that's, I would say, the, the the most conservative way to do that, right? There's, there's premium dollars allocated, and then there's policy loan dollars allocated, right? Um, and your business might be a little bit different with cash flows, and maybe you have good years, you have some lean years, whatever. But generally speaking, I'm kind of planning this on a, on a year to year basis and try to get as close as I can. It's never going to be perfect. Right, Dave? Like, mm-hmm. um, but I try to get it as close as I can. Yeah, good. Okay. Well, I'll give you mine. And that was good. And that kind of, that'll take us into loan repayments. Cause you mentioned a little bit of that. Um, so I want to come back to this when we start talking about loan repayments and getting back to the basics on that. But my personal example of creating a policy was, a uh, tithing and charity policy. So I would set aside money every month, um, you know, that I'm going to use for giving. And after a couple months, I realized, man, I'm, I'm storing this money in somebody else's bank, right? I'm doing exactly what I tell people not to do. Um, is there a better way to use these funds? They're earmarked for something. I don't want to use them for taxes. I don't want to use them for for spending anything else. They're giving. I mean, you can do like four things with your money, right? You can spend it, save it, give it, um, or invest it. Is that it? Is that the fourth? You got it. Yeah. It's like straight um, out of your video. I know, straight out of a video I, I might have on YouTube. So, uh, so I've got a giving fund, right? So I, I decided, decided to open a policy to capture all of that before... It went somewhere else. Sequencing. It's it's just going through one channel. You know, if you think a channel like waterway or something like that, it's flowing through that before it goes somewhere else. Um, and the plan was overfund it that first year and borrow out, borrow against as much as I needed to do my annual giving. And then the next year, like you said, I've got a well, I've got a premium I, I need to fund, which can be funded with my you know, my earmarked giving funds throughout the year. But then I also have a repayment I need to make. Well, as my income increases, my giving increases. So now I've got all that loan repayment room with my uh, extra income. Once I've paid my premium, now I can start repaying that loan um, back in, and by the end of the year, basically it's all filled back up again. So just uh, there, there's definite ways to design it around your plan your lifestyle Um, but it's also something to keep in mind like hey just because that's your tax policy or your giving policy doesn't mean that other money you have sitting around somewhere that's like oh well that's my long-term savings cash that's sitting in my bank you can still put that cash in those policies like if you want to like you don't have to but i mean in my opinion why wouldn't you want to it's still a better place to hold that money. Um, yeah, that comes up a lot, Dave, right? Yeah, it comes up fairly fairly often. Like people are, 
just compartmentalizing too much. Like, hey, if you have extra extra cash that's not used to pay your monthly living expenses and you have an outstanding policy loan, direct those funds into that against that loan. Absolutely. I mean, there's no there's no question that's that is what you should be doing. Absolutely. So. And, and is people people want to know, well, how do I track that? Like, you know, I'm I'm saving $300 every month for a a five-year wedding anniversary vacation, you know, that's two or three years away. Like, how do I track what of that money, what, what my cash value, like what of that cash value is going towards this vacation? Like, well, I mean, you could use a, you could spreadsheet it if you want. And that's not very difficult. You can keep track of it like that. Or you can just make that $300 payment there every month for the next three or four years and realize as long as you're not taking that cash back, you know, taking loans out to go spend on something that wasn't planned anyway, that money's sitting there waiting for you. That's right. Now, if it makes you feel better, put it on a spreadsheet and track it every month. Uh, you can add that step to your your monthly, you know, financial review. Yeah. Um, Everyone's got their own their own style. I I'll be honest with you, I don't do any of that stuff. No. I don't. It I, I find it uh I mean, they're calculating the interest for me. Um, do I check it once in a while? Sure. But I don't, uh, again, my, I would say this too. Um, I don't always have regular policy loan repayments, Dave. Um, <gasps> what? Yeah, crazy. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things going on, uh, whether it's, you know, taxes or family vacations or tuition or whatever, right? So. I don't have a dedicated dollar amount that's the same month to month that goes against policy loan A or policy loan C, right? right? It's it's kind of um, as as there's extra cash, it gets thrown in there basically. Um, so I have made provisions though to repay all policy loans. Some of let's say some of your things, Dave, are like investments out there, right? That might be a balloon payment. Uh, or maybe it's just annual cash flow that you get, or maybe it's biannual, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, folks, not everything's going to fit into a nice, tight, and needy, you know, and neat box for you. Um, so it's, but bottom line is, I'm not taking loans without having provisions to make repayments at some point in the future. Right. You you know that money's coming back to you, like if it's a a secured investment or a, a private loan and you know there's very good layers of defense in place to know that capital is coming back to you yeah i don't i don't feel the need to repay that loan immediately am i going to over time absolutely because i plan to have excess cash you know as my income goes up i become more productive um i will have more capital that needs to go somewhere and that extra capital that i'm not spending on monthly expenses is going to be funneled back towards those loans so, yep. you know, I don't care which policy I go, I put it towards, it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe I'll pick the, the policy that has the highest, you know, loan interest rate at the time. Um, you know, if I had right. multiple different companies, of, you know, policies right. with different companies. So I'll pick that one and, and just fill that one up until it's full. And then I'll start filling the other one back up. Yep. So the next question people might have, Dave, is, okay, they're doing that, but then they don't have enough cash flow for both loan repayment, let's say, and next year's premium. Mm-hmm. Well, my advice to them is this. 
um, let's see, your premium's ten thousand uh, dollars. You've got this loan out. You've put, you know, you've got ten thousand dollars of cash value available. You've freed up another eight through policy loan payment over the year. That money's still more efficient, you know, going into that policy against that loan. And then if you have to take a partial policy loan to fund your annual premium for that year, and again, I'm talking. I'm not going to get the non-direct direct recognition discussion here, but you know, take that policy loan out, pay the premium, and then rinse and repeat. You're still using, if not all, mostly new money to pay your premium. You're just being more efficient with your interest because maybe that invest that cash flow investment that you made, or you lent money to your to your uncle Bob, and he's you know paying you back with no interest, but he is paying you back, but it's just not enough to to cover the entire loan for a year, obviously, right? Um, maybe you give them three years. So just think of things like that. Don't think that you have to sit that premium money for next year in your savings account. Put it against that loan every time. And then if, if when it comes time to pay that premium next year, if you have to take a, a, a loan, no worries. Right. Exactly. Because what you're doing is instead of putting that, if you have an outstanding loan out, well, oh, I got to save up for my premium next year. So I'm just going to put that over into my, you know, my bank account over here and let that accumulate, you're earning nothing. Let's see, you know, for mathematically rounded to the nearest whole number, you're earning zero on that, that money sitting in somebody else's bank account, right? But what, you're, what are you doing right now? You're still owing interest. You're accumulating interest to the insurance company. So it, it works a lot like a home equity line of credit. If anybody's ever had a HELOC, it's a line of credit. You know, most line of credits work like this. That money... You know, as long as you haven't taken any out, you're not paying any interest because the money's still sitting with the bank. As soon as you take some out, the interest clock starts ticking. And then as soon as you pay it back, it stops ticking, right? Because you're That's only right. paying on what's out. So it always makes sense if you, okay, let's say you just have a HELOC right now and you have an outstanding balance on that HELOC. Well, why would you not, instead of, you know, your paycheck goes to your checking account and just accumulates there, why would you not immediately move all of that back to your HELOC? Just fill it up. Now that's five, six, seven percent you're not paying interest on, and it's there when you need it immediately. It's just a better place for, for your money to be sitting, you know. But if you have a whole life insurance policy and you have a loan there, I'd put it there first. That's right. Yep. Remember when we got that that lecture on velocity banking? Someone left a comment about velocity banking. Oh, yeah, like, bruh. <laughs> I, that's why I was never smiling. heard about velocity banking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some very valid uh, strategies that can be used with HEL HELOCs are a great tool if you can use them wisely. Uh, just like any credit can be a great tool if you can use it wisely. Yeah. I think when it comes to a, a normal banking product, uh, it's certainly better than an amortized loan. There's a lot more control there, right? Right. Um, but now, yeah. The bank still writes the rules on the HELOC and they could still... No question. You know, I'm sure the paperwork you have, if you have a HELOC, says has some clause in there where the bank can cancel it and call it due at any time. Of course. Um, you know, it's supposed to be good for 10 years, but you know, if, if they want it back before then, they're the bank. They make the rules. With your money. With your money. So, hey, it's my money. I'm, you know, all these people that are house rich or house poor, I guess you would say. Right, they got so much equity, so their net worth goes up. Mm -hmm. But 
if you can't spend your net worth, does it really matter? Yeah, well, you know how I feel about that net worth, aside from you know the accredited investor discussion, which, okay, great. Uh, net worth doesn't mean too much to me. I'd rather talk in terms of how much, you know, can you stop working? Can you stop laboring for a wage and still live? You know, how much, yeah. um, how much income do you have coming in while you're sleeping? I think that's a, a more, me- uh, a better measure of, of wealth. Yeah. Without having to liquidate an asset. You yeah. Know, like, a, especially the one you're living in. The one you're living in. If, if you classify it as an asset, which, you know, traditionally, you know, financially it's classified as an asset. Is it, is it paying you though? No, no, it takes money from, yeah. I I mean, it's not, it, it, it takes money from you, right. Mm -hmm. To maintain it, you get taxes on it. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. So if it's not paying you, um, and you have to ask somebody to access the equity, then you're not really in control. And that's why, folks, and I've said this, I think, it, I think it bears repeating, and I think we said it way early in, in this podcast, so this time last year maybe, was that personally, and I've heard other people say this, you know, home equity belongs in a policy. The equity in your home should be where you can get to it, and that's not in the home. So my strategy is going to be over the next 50 years, I'm just going to Keep as it makes sense with rates and what's going on in my in my life, right? I'm going to keep refinancing that home, Dave, and pulling cash out and putting it where I can get at it, but maintaining adequate cash value in my series of infinite banking style policies. To if I need to in a pinch, I can pay the note off with a policy loan and be done right. with it. Having the ability to pay off a loan is just as good as paying off a loan. You know, and may, right. and many times often better because your money may be being used more efficiently and more productively. That's right. You always have to think about folks, the alternative use of money, right? And I, you know, listeners will know I've had a couple of large car purchases in the last eight months and could have paid cash, could have taken a policy loan, bought the vehicle, and then, you know, be paying back the policy loan, right? Didn't want to do that. Wanted to, I can pay the notes, no problem. I'd rather stay liquid and maintain the ability to pay off um, due to other considerations in my personal life going forward, retirement home, and retiring from the army, all these other things, right, right, that you need to think about. Which is why there's no one size fits all answer for anybody. Like That's if right. somebody asks me a question, I'm probably going to ask them a question back before I ever give them an actual response because I don't know your situation. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what is on the horizon, like a retirement or building that retirement home or, you know, the economy, you know, massive recession, inflation, people, um, who knows? You may have a lot of opportunity because you have cash capital available. There may be opportunity to scoop up a bunch of, you know, uh, pretty new cars that people can't afford anymore. Who knows? You know, start your own car leasing business. That you would never have the opportunity to do if you had spent all your cash on you know those two cars you just recently bought, right? So, yep. and yeah. to steal Ryan's saying, you know, capital, you know, attracts opportunity, and opportunity will abound for the well capitalized, right? I think people can make money in in good economies, bad economies, whatever. I'm not even sure what a good economy is. I guess whatever the 
the talking heads on Bloomberg say it's a good yeah. economy, but I don't, they have no idea what they're talking about. Right. So, yeah, well, they, they probably do, but they can make a lot more money by, uh, by telling you everything's great. Keep investing than they can by telling you the truth. Oh, of course. Right. We did. We didn't see it coming. We didn't see it coming. We're the wisest quote unquote wisest, you know, Alan Greenspan, you know, the market's great. Uh, really? Is it? Yeah. So what, what else about back to basics when it comes to loan repayments? I mean, I, I think the point Paul and I are trying to make here is, uh, don't get caught up in the details. Don't make it so complicated. If you're the type, if you understand yourself and you know, you're the type that overanalyzes everything and, and overthinks and, and by overthinking, you end up procrastinating or, or just not even making a decision, not even taking action whatsoever, um, then you know what your weakness is. So I think, Paul, I mean, maybe you and I are too similar as far as our mentality of like, hey, I'm just going to keep things simple. I, I know roughly how much I spend every month on household expenses. Um, you know, I don't need to plan everything down to the detail when it comes to finances. I like a macro snapshot and knowing that, hey, when I have excess income, I've got somewhere to put it. I've got a policy loan yeah. I can repay. And it's so funny yeah. how quickly those policy loans get repaid when you log in, you know, a month later and you look and you're like, wow, I have that much cash value right now. Like it, it feels like it's doubled in the last month. Well, it's just because, you know, you get a, you have a good month and you start funneling money back into repaying those loans and it's immediately available for you. That's right. Uh, something I started to do, which I find just, I just do it just because it's interesting to me uh, or it amuses me, right? When, you know, I've got a couple of HELOCs that I use from time to time for, for stuff, for whatever. Um, you know, if I have no policy loans to pay off, you know, I'll pay off the, you know, the HELOC money that I leverage or something. But, uh, you know, when I use the HELOCs, it, the next month, my credit, credit score gets affected, right? Really? And it's so funny. Yeah, because it when you it, use it's it just, like how Yeah. Like, like when if you take I, out a certain amount or you, yeah. you have a lot of outstanding HELOC loan. Yep. So it just affects, you know, since I keep no money in the bank, mm -hmm. right? But I have a lot of money in life insurance cash value, right? Which doesn't show up anywhere. Right. Anywhere. Nowhere. Doesn't show up anywhere, right? It's my private pool. So that's great, but it's just so funny to watch how, you know, you know, it becomes like a, um, you know, I've got a mortgage on this house, got a mortgage on the house in Kentucky, and then I've got the HELOC. So it shows like, oh, he's got a ton of mortgage debt, even though it, I could pay it all off, really. But right, it's uh, but it's just funny. Like I don't care, you know, Navy Federal send my my annual or my monthly credit snapshot or whatever, yeah, and yeah. I just I just don't care. But it's like, wow, it went down seventy points. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Man, and see how despite how's... zero late payments, you know, great history, you know, accounts older than ten years old or fifteen, you know, whatever it is, debt to income uh, ratio, like all that, like debt to income ratio is totally fine, right? It's it's just just one know. one one little variable that that they look at. It kind of sounds like one of those, you know, financial gurus with a southern accent who who focuses on one single variable. In fact, he would actually tell you that you don't even need a credit score; you should just get rid of it. I've had somebody actually brag to me about not having a credit score before. 
He's like, I don't even have a credit score. And he's bragging. I don't know how you, I mean, you can ask any of these, these uh, real estate guys who kind of show no income. They have actually, despite having seven figures of income, even though with depreciation, they don't really show any federal income, right? They have a lot of, and you're kind of experiencing this too, as an entrepreneur with your own business is that it's, it's difficult to get, it can be more difficult than a, 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 a W two employee getting a getting a mortgage, right? Absolutely, yeah. And of course, we know what it takes to get a mortgage now. They want like you know you know blood sample and a urine sample, and yeah. <laughs> you know every transaction you've made over one dollar in the past year. You know, it's, yeah. you know, twenty years of tax return. I'm exaggerating, folks, obviously, because I just get everyone knows I get so annoyed by the mortgage process. Well, you know what's funny? Like a bank, they they could probably look at you pretty quickly and deny you outright, but they won't. They'll continue collecting that information. And why would that be? Hmm. Because they want your information. That's right. They're going to let you go all the way through that mortgage process and then be like, nope, sorry, we can't offer you anything. But thank and you that's for going all to, of your information. Yes, which will now create mountains of junk mail over the next five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we know where your weaknesses are. We know what you spend your money on. Um, now we can sell your information to this company. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So Yeah. It's all, Wouldn't it it's, be nice if you had access to capital where you had to submit zero paperwork whatsoever, where it had zero impact on your credit score, where it had zero impact on your annual tax return, the IRS is blind to it, um, and the loan repayment terms are completely 100% up to you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, it's almost like you're the owner of the bank, you're the loan officer, you're the borrower, all wrapped into one, Dave. You're everybody. You're yeah. literally everybody in the equation. And, you know, until you're doing that, and I can't illustrate that on a piece of paper, I can't show you the numbers of what that looks like, but I can get access to what Dave just taught, unrestricted amount of capital from my policies, right? My cash value, I can, lo- you know, I can, get, I can get to that money in the next 90 seconds. Right. Or less. That's how long it'll take me to request a policy loan from the company. Yep. 90 and seconds it, or less. And it may take a couple of days for it to show up into your account. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're talking, you know, anywhere. If they have, contractually, they have a long time to give it to you, but generally it's, you know, 72 hours-ish, give or take. Yep. I've had I've had loans uh, completed within, in less than 24 hours before. Yeah. So I think it all depends on, you know, how many they're processing right now, sure. how many employees they have, all of that. Um, yep. But yeah, you're, and nobody asks you anything. Uh, nobody says, Paul, what are you, you going to do with this money and how are you going to repay it? Doesn't matter. Paul, are you currently employed? Doesn't matter. That's right. It's, yeah. uh, it's all baked into the design of the policy. So you've worked, you know, all the work has been done to give you, the consumer, that convenience, or I should say the policy owner, that convenience. Right. That always surprises people early in the process. Like, what do you mean there's no repayment schedule? I go, yeah, what's what's that worth to you? What's that you worth? Control it. What's that flexibility worth? You know, and unfortunately, too many people wait until they're in a bad situation or have just gone through a bad situation to realize, man, I should really put my capital somewhere where it's protected, where I can get to it in, you know, in times of like this. You know, and if they would have done that earlier, Man, they'd be able to weather those storms you know, 
without without their family being affected whatsoever. Yeah, it's what's well, that the old saying goes we should have you know the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago right we hear that all the time from new clients folks is that uh and i i know dave probably said it even though he's been doing this a lot longer i know i said it to dave you know why didn't you send me that book everybody says it no matter what age they're at they're the only kid who wouldn't say it is like you know a a 20 year old right but even then they might be like why didn't my dad know about this when i was five that's right right it's because we're all, we've all been programmed and bombarded with the wrong information, and it's all by design. Well, it's not what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you think you know that just ain't so. Hmm. That's gold. That's gold. That was either Will Rogers or... Uh, yeah, Will Rogers. Yeah. A lot of people have said it, but yeah, famously said it, I suppose. Yeah, right. So... A prayer phrase, but something like that. Well, cool, man. I think that's good for back to the basics. I hope that helps everybody with a little uh, sequencing and loan repayment. Um, and these are the kind of questions that came up on that webinar. So register and and come to the next one. We'd love to have you. I'd love to have your questions, even if you just, if you just want to keep your camera off like a lot of people did and, and just absorb and listen. That's fine, too. Uh, but we definitely love the interaction. People who want to really dive in, ask some questions, and... Uh, Nothing's off topic or, or and, off limits. That's right. And it's an excuse for me to drink a little bit of bourbon because I just don't, I don't get at it often enough. Yeah. Well, you can walk down to your, your new wine bar that you're so proud of now. And I saw the pictures. Looks good. Yeah, obviously, you, obviously, you didn't do it. I so. did the demo. Okay. Well, there you I go. I provided the capital. Yep. That counts for something. Counts for most of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Said yes to the wife, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Well, all right, buddy. Um, hey, look forward to seeing you tomorrow down in Birmingham. Yeah, I'll be waiting for you at the airport. Yep, sounds good. You can get the uh, you can get the Uber on the way there. I'll get the one on the way back. All right, sounds good. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.